Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. He did a good job, and he volunteered to do that, and sometimes we just tell you all, like, we need you to do it, so really appreciate Paul doing that, and, like, Holy Week will be a great week. It's something that we've been doing now, even before we merge together as two churches, is that, and so it's just a, a really a beautiful week, so I encourage you guys to, like, be watching on Facebook and your email for that, for sure. It's a, it's a, one of my favorite weeks of the year. So for those of you who don't know me, my name's David. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, get to be your preaching pastor this week, which is, to say is ironic, is not, not even, to, will not even sum it up, and we'll, we'll get to that, but I'm going to pray for us real quick first. God, I just pray right now that you'll speak through me. Um, I don't have words of my own that are worth saying. I don't have thoughts of my own that are worth sharing. God, you are glorious, and you are in control. You are sovereign. And Lord, I pray now that everything that comes out of my mouth is orchestrated by your Holy Spirit, that it brings you glory, that it builds up your body, that is this church of these believers. And God, that we walk out of here more in the likeness of your Son, more marveling at your goodness and your grace because of the truths that we just sit in. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said... um, I get to preach to you guys today, and it is somewhat ironic, and here's why, okay? So when we plan our preaching for the year, we do it in November. We, as elders, we get away, and we plan our preaching calendar for the whole year, and it's, for the most part, it doesn't change a whole lot. Like, we know exactly where we're going to be until the end of the year. Like, that's the best way to have everything just kind of taken care of and ready to roll, And then what we've done is we needed to have a a preaching rotation because Corey and I, you guys, most of you who've been here before, you know that Corey and I share the preaching responsibility. So I preach the fourth and fifth Sunday of every month and some other Sundays throughout the year. And so this is the fourth Sunday of March. So here I am. Now, what we do is, like I said, we don't pick the text. The text is already there. We were preaching in Psalms from the beginning of the year, and the plan was to, to revisit Psalms at the end of the year, but because of some prayer and just how God was orchestrating some things, we saw that it was better to take that second Psalm series and, and plug it here right now and just continue in Psalms, and then after Easter, pick up in a capital campaign series. So just giving you, like, pulling back the curtain, let you see into what we do, okay? And then in individual conversations... To, for me and Corey and, and Jeff and Corey, we all decided as we finish up this psalm series, we should be in Psalm 119. We didn't sit down and talk about it together. It was just through my own time and prayer and reading, I was like, man, we should, we should just finish up in Psalm 119. As far as we can get in about five or six weeks, whatever it is, we should just be in Psalm 119. I text Corey, and I was like, dude, I think we should just finish in one in, in Psalm 119, not just keep trying to go through the whole book. And he's like, that's crazy. Jeff and I already talked about that. I'm like, well, then I think God's telling us something, okay? And so that's where we're at. And through this, then my week comes up, and we read this text. It's 
crazy for me, and I'll get to why I'm going somewhere with all of this. It says, my soul clings to the dust. My soul melts away for sorrow. And this is talking about suffering. This is talking about hurting. This is talking about just being in a, in a tough spot in life. And man, it's like I, 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 can, I can speak to it. Um, the past three weeks or so for my family has been some of the hardest that we've faced. If you remember about a month and a half or so ago, I preached and I was preaching about depression from the Psalms. I was like, God, you just keep giving me these texts to preach. Like, I'm not choosing these. This is what you have for me. And I shared with you that the past just two years has been hard for me. And I'm, and, and I'm going to share you, share all that with you. Not, I want to say this, not so you feel sorry for me. I just want you to see and be really open and transparent because like most of the time people don't want to be like people are afraid enough to get up here and speak publicly, but let alone like just say, here's all my life for you to see. And so in, in the past two years, in May of 19, there's some families that started leaving what was used to be Collinsville Community Church before we merged with Made Heights Community. And that, I think, literally like just kind of spun me into a little bit of a downward spiral, where through most of 2019, there was a point where I honestly did not want to be alive. Not suicidal, just didn't want to be alive. I did not care. I prayed and asked God, like, if you're done with me on this earth, I would be happy to go because this place is no fun. Like, I don't want to be here. And that was, I was good at hiding it. Some of you in this room spent time with me during that time. You were part of CCC, and you didn't know. No one knew. And then in September of 19, we start talking about merging our church together with Heights, and, and that's why we're here today as Heights community in this building. And so this conversation starts, and everything's making sense. Everything's lining up. And then when it gets presented to Collinsville Community Church, like most, for the most part, people are like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. Well, then when it came time because, you know, we needed to vote on it, there's people who either didn't vote at all or voted no. And, and then, honestly, there was people who were slandering me in and outside the church, like asking questions of like, my integrity with this or heights integrity with it and questioning you do you do know that they're not southern baptists like you guys i'm like yes i'm fully aware that they're not southern baptists like calm down you know it's like we'll figure it out like we're gonna still be southern baptists for those people who are worried about that and we'll we're gonna make this work like you worry about you we'll worry about us and so people left People just left, and that hurts. Like when you pastor someone for years and you pour your life into them, and then as soon as something doesn't go their way, they, they bounce. It, it hurts, okay? And, and so then COVID hits in March of 20. We're all there. That was hard. It seems like it's over. We hope. We, we'll see, right? And so through that, we're trying to navigate that as a, as a newly merged church. We're trying to do what's right. You can't do anything that's right. You do this, and this half of the people are mad at you. You do this, and the other half's mad at you. It doesn't matter. And so you're trying to navigate being a church now in the midst of a global pandemic, and more people are leaving the church. And the whole idea was that Corey and I would be co-leaders, We'd split preaching 50-50. We would do all this together. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you, that doesn't work, okay? Like being co-leaders does not work. Doesn't, someone's got to 
be, even though we're first among equals in, in that sense, like it just doesn't work. And so God impressed on me through prayer and time in the word that I needed to let go of my title as co-lead with Corey. So I've planted a church. Now I'm letting go of my title. And with that, God said, and you don't need to preach 50% of the time because if you're not the lead, then you shouldn't preach the same amount. Well, that's not fun, okay? Like you're stripping away parts of your identity. So at an elder meeting with no warning, I tell the elder team, this is where I feel God's leading me to be. And so we do so. So it's a lot going on. And then in December of 2021, our daughter, who came to live with us when she was nine through foster care, who we adopted, turned 18. Many of us in this room are 18 or older. And you know with coming 18 or older, there's a sense of independence that comes with that, a sense of I can do what I want to do. And if I'm just going to be really transparent today, from December until three weeks ago, it was just compounding and compounding of, I no longer want to follow your rules that are biblically based. And to the point where she said, I no longer want to live in your home and follow your rules. She's 18. There's not a whole lot you can do. So at 18, she has now moved out to her former foster parents' home. And in the midst, it was, I don't really want to be part of this family anymore. And so it's like grieving a loss of your, of your kid in a, in a really weird and different way. And there had been little communication over the past three weeks. Some text messages, mainly between my wife and her, and enough to say, here's my new phone number. Until this past Wednesday. When she moved back in with her old foster parents, her biological sister, who's 22, was also living there. And then she was dealing with her own stuff. They've been through a lot in their lives. You don't go into foster care because your life is good. Okay? She got agitated, went for a walk, decided she was going to run away, crossing Route 3, and got hit by a car and killed. This led to us being able to talk with our daughter. I share all this with you because this is where I'm going with it. It, it is, I get it. My soul clings to the dust. My soul melts away for sorrow. I was angry with God. I sat on Tuesday morning before even the death of her sister, and I, and I told Corey and I told Jeff as we're worship planning, I was like, I just feel like God just keeps stripping away everything. Like, I don't know, like, what else he could take from me. Like, we've dealt with infertility. He, he called me out of construction into ministry. He had us moved a bit, and he had us adopt a, a nine-year-old. Like, that's, like, most people in the foster care, like, give us the babies and toddlers. And, like, he said, here's a nine-year-old into your home. And then we moved back to Collinsville to plant the church. We really, Collinsville wasn't at the top of the list. All right? Like, there's some pretty cool places in America to live and that are really lost. I'm like, you can call us anywhere, God. No, Collinsville. Okay, okay, cool. We're going back home. I was a punk in high school. It's hard to minister to people who you acted like a complete jerk to. All right? And so then we merge. I stopped being a lead pastor. I stopped preaching 50-50. The adopted daughter into our family leaves. Then her sister gets killed. And I'm like, God, what else can you take? And Corey looked at me and he said, everything, David. Everything. He's going to take everything there is in you that is making you be not like his son. And I'm like, okay. 
And then that was Tuesday morning. And then Wednesday night, like obviously more comes. And, and, I did, and he's continually sanctifying through that. And Corey, again, he said, he's like, dude, the difference in who you were two years ago to who you are now is just astronomical. Like God is doing stuff in your life. And so I'm telling you all this because I want to be real with you that people suffer, okay? And, and we, we will stand sometimes in front of folks and we'll be we'll like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Well, no, you're not, okay? Or we'll stand here and we'll sing songs to glorify God, to sing about his goodness. And we'll sing songs like, Jesus, take it all and, and I give it all to you. I surrender all to you. And then when he actually asks you to surrender it all or he takes it all, you're like, whoa, hey, I didn't really mean it. Like, that was, that's a little much, God. Can you stay in your lane? I'm going to be over here. And the reality is he, he created all the lanes, so they're all his. So I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. I'm just being real with you because I guarantee in this room, with this many people, there are other people in this room who are suffering. You're going through your own trials, your own tribulations. They look different than mine. They look different than my family's. And no one else in this room has your story. But... The problem is, is suffering is way more common than being happy. But we've made this ideal world that we have to live in, that we have to be happy. All we need is joy in, in Jesus. That's it. You don't have to be happy. You don't have to be. It's hard. You want to be. Like, you want all those things that come with that, right? Like, you feel good when you're happy. But joy in Christ, then you can get through the suffering. Suffering is much more common to the human experience, because things and break and people die and, and relationships end and you're like, now what? Well, now what is you just, you, you look to Jesus. So, so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to look to this text because King David, he's writing and he's suffering. He's going through a lot. And thank God he was real and transparent as well. So that then we can have this text now thousands upon thousands of years later to look at and say, oh, here's some, here's some things that the Holy Spirit guided you to write so that we can now sit in this and see it and process our own emotions at the feet of Jesus. And so we're going to have four points that we're going to go through. Here, here they are. So you can, for, for you, you note takers, and then we'll, we'll break them each down. First one's this. Be real about where you are emotionally, spiritually, physically, and mentally. Two, confess to God what he already knows. Three, look to the word for direction, strength, and understanding. And then the last one is this. Grab hold of the beautiful truths of Jesus and choose to let that guide you. So let's go ahead and just dig right into the first point. Be real about where you are emotionally, spiritually, physically, and mentally. Look at verses 25 and 28. He says, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. That's some very good illustrations to show where he's at. He feels like he's in the dust, like near death. He feels like his soul is just melting away in sorrow. He is hurting. And we know why. It's because in verse 23, it says, even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Like people are coming after David. It's his own sons. Like his life in the later half was pretty chaotic. He had his own sons turning against him, going after him, trying to take his kingdom. It, and some of it was sin-induced. He brought upon himself some things that he did, and then some was just because of the sin of others. But regardless the circumstances and why he's there, he is suffering. And he's being real about where he's at. 
He's saying, my mental state, my emotional state, my spiritual state, I feel like I'm done. I'm hanging on by a thread. And the reality is, is so many of you in this room, including me, we can relate. We're like, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to make it through another day. I don't know how I'm going to do this because everything's just a mess. And I don't know where to turn or what to do. And then people ask you, how are you doing? Like I said, what do we do? The Christian F word. I'm fine. You're not. You're not fine. Like if you were fine, then you would have none of these problems. All your stuff would be perfectly lined up and just all taken care of and just tied up with a neat little bow. And it's not. Life is messy and hard. And we go through all these different trials that we have to face. We're not fine. We have to be okay with that. Not because we're looking to like be some type of like martyr and look at my oh my life or we want to be like oh woe is me all the time. That's not it. But if we're not real about where we're at, how can we ever come out of that and give glory to God? We can't. We can't. With the problem is though, then on top of that is we think we can fake God out. I've, I've said it many many times. Like you can come here and fake it for an hour. And I may not know that you're not fine, or someone else may not know that you're not fine, because you can slip in and slip out really, really quick. And we don't have a whole lot of room to, to gather here after service. And so you can get to your car, and you can wave at the parking guy, and, and, and you're gone. And no one knows that your life is, like, tumbling down on, on you, and you don't know how you're even going to, like, take the step out of bed tomorrow morning. But God knows he already knows. He's not, caught, he's not caught off guard by my anger, by my frustration, by my just sadness. He's not caught off guard. He's not like, wow, I, I really thought David would respond differently to everything he's faced lately. No, he already knows. And so he says, like, this is where I'm at. He's writing this. And then the problem is, is we don't want to do that, but we won't even tell each other. And that's why we talk about missional community so much here, about being in a community of other believers together, like living life all together. Like you know what's going on in each other's life. And some of you in this room that's not in a missional community, you're thinking, there's no way. Like I'm not putting myself in that kind of atmosphere where I got to be real and transparent with you. Okay, well suffer alone then. Because I'm going to suffer with brothers and sisters in Christ who love Jesus more than they love me and they're not impressed with me and so they'll tell me the things that I need to hear. And I'm going to be real with them and they're going to be real with me so that we can do life together because otherwise, there is no hope. What are you going to do? Tell, tell your coworkers on your lunch break about how bad your life is? You don't want to do that. You know you don't want to do that. And you won't because you're worried about how they're going to perceive you and how they're going to view you. So the only people that's safe to really be honest and just transparent with are other brothers and sisters in Christ and being in community with them. But we don't want to suffer. But Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.17 that we should. It's better to suffer. He says, For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So he's saying, like, suffering is going to happen. It's going to happen. And if it's for doing good then let God take that and use it. And and, and in a sense, be okay. Be okay with not being okay. Because he's going to use it for good. 
He's go, it's his will. He's in control. And if we're in Christ, if we're believers in Christ, what we can know is we're suffering just as Jesus himself suffered. So we're being like Jesus. And this is 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So when we suffer, we are like our suffering servant, our Savior, our Lord, our Jesus. We get to be like him. So be real about where you're at instead of trying to put up on this facade that you have it all together when, when we don't. We just, we can't. So being real with God and being real with other people, this requires you to be in relationship with God. It causes you, it causes you to have to be in a relationship with other people then. You can't go through this life just solo. But here's where it gets harder to be real about where you're at, is the second point, is to confess to God what he already knows. David says in verse 26, when I told you of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. So I had to come to God with all this because I was pretty frustrated. Like I said, I was angry, confused, wanting to know, like, why God? Like, why would you do this? Like, what is the purpose of this? I don't see it. Just to be clear, since Friday, I feel much more at peace with all of this because of going to counseling and talking through someone who's a Christian counselor who can talk me through it along with my wife so that we could process it. Super helpful. But prior to that, I needed to confess some things to the Lord, some that were sinful and some that were not. Like my anger was on the point of being sinful. I, luckily, I, I didn't do all the things that I wanted to do in my anger I'd, or I would have blown up some bridges that I needed to be there for later, and we'll, we'll get to that. But God already knew how I was feeling. He's, he knows my emotions, and he knew how David was feeling too. But David writes that he told God of his ways, and God answered. See, God will answer. It may not be exactly how you're wanting and what you're thinking he's going to say, but he w- will answer in his timing for his purposes, for his glory. Like, I was Wednesday night after that happened with the death of her sister, and then Thursday morning I'm on the phone with uh, Sammy Simmons, who was the pastor that I served under when we lived in Benton, and he's like, man, just, just go read the last five chapters of Job. Just go read the last five chapters. It's where God answers Job. And he's like, asking, he's telling Job, he's like, have, have you ever done this? Have you ever, have you ever tamed a behemoth? What about the sea monster? What about... What about the eagle? What about this? What, you know, all these things. He's questioning Job. Like, you, you haven't done any of this. You haven't made... Do you know where the, the rain is stored in the storehouse? Can you do that? Can you, can you have it rain? No? Okay, then. Let's, you know, here's... And it was super comforting for me because I was sat with God and confessed to God. Like, God, I, I don't know anymore, like, what to do. I really feel like everything is, like, just going crazy. What do I do? And, and he already knew how I felt, and he just comforted me in that. But we also have to be willing to confess our sins to him. And why? Because 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, listen. Jesus has already done everything needed to forgive you of your sins. He is a perfect substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. You don't have to confess every last tiny sin that you've ever done so that you have a clear slate when you pass away so you can go to heaven. That's not at all what they're saying. But there is a relief in knowing that God has forgiven you of your sins. So he's saying, I told you of my ways and you answered me. 
I promise you, there is a relief in going to the Lord and saying, God, I, here's where I'm at. Here's how I've not honored you in this. Here's how I've tried to honor you in this. I can't handle it anymore. And will you forgive me? And he's faithful. He's faithful to, to forgive us of our sins. And there's just a release of that to say, okay, this is not on me anymore. I don't have to carry this burden anymore. He's got it. He's taking care of it. And for me, it's like, okay, well, what does that look like? Well, it's, I'm, I'm weird. And so when we were at the marriage retreat and Steve Mizell was up there, so, so those of you who were at the marriage retreat, you, you heard him talking. He was talking about like his Sabbath time and like how that's not always this perfect 24-hour period of, of rest and it looks different for him and his prayer life's not always like, you know, this perfect carved out time of this. And I'm like, man, that's me. Like, that's me. I can't because I'm too, like, just always, like, ready to move and on the go. I'm like, oh, squirrel. And I'm, like, all over the place. Like, I can't focus, you know. Like, I can't. But there's always, like, this continuing conversation in my head with God. Like, there's times where I do. I just sit down in my office and I'm just, like, reading the last five chapters of Job or I'm whatever. I'm worshiping and listening to songs and but sometimes, I mean, it's just, I'm just always on the move. I don't like to sit still. And so, like, but there's always this conversation with God, and I'm just working through all this with him. And so what I'm saying this for is, like, go to God and be real and confess where you're at and your sins and know that it doesn't have to be, like, you woke up at 5 a.m. and you knelt beside your bed and you cracked open the Scripture and then, like, sometime, somehow, like, just as the sun was rising, it cracked through your blinds and hit the perfect vo- verse, okay? Like, it may not happen that way, and if it does, like, God bless you, but that's not my life. Like, I'm just trying to figure out, can I get coffee made and can I get everything going, like, before everything else starts going, and then I'm just going to try to be with Jesus throughout this day so that I can make it. But we got to be willing to just go to him and sit at his feet. And that's what we've been talking about this whole sermon series. And then just to listen to him. And when we listen to him, what we do then is we look to the word for direction, strength, and understanding. I love how David, in this whole text, he's saying, give me life according to your word. Make me understand your ways. He's making so many requests of God in this text. He does not hesitate to ask, and he does not feel ashamed to ask because he knows that he is his father, a good father who cares for him and who will shepherd him and guide him and direct him through all that he's facing and all that he's dealing with, and he's going to give him what he has. And so the reason I wrestled with how to even phrase this point, I had originally looked to Jesus for direction, strength, and understanding. And then I was like, no, I'm going to change this to the word. Because Corey, he's been saying in his sermons, like the word made flesh and the word made text. And I want you to sit in that because there's times you're going to go and you're going to sit at the feet of Jesus in prayer and in worship. And there's times you're just going to sit at the feet of Jesus by being in his word, which he is the word, right? Like that's who he is. It says in John one, one, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's who we get to go to for strength, for guiding us, for all that we need. That's who. So let's just break down these requests, because this, this spoke to me as I prepared this sermon. This spoke to me and gave me some comfort. 
Verse 25, he says, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When we take word as the, as the word made flesh in the word made text, when he says, give me life according to your word, literally he's saying, you, give me life according to you, your, who you are. Now, he knew there was a coming Messiah, so maybe that's exactly what he meant. Like, give me life, give me eternal life according to the Messiah who is to come. Give that to me, because I need it. I, I need that. that that's going to change my life here and later for eternity. Give me that kind of life. And then he says, teach me your statutes. In, in verse 26, he's saying, give me your never-changing word, who is Jesus, who was and is and is to come. Because like a statute doesn't change. They're God's set ways that are always there governing the human existence and experience that we have here on earth. And for all of eternity, there's, they're God's ways. And, and David's saying, teach them to me. Teach me those. Like, here's, here's what I've done wrong. Now teach me your statutes so, so I have Jesus and I, and I don't sin as much. Like, teach those to me. And then verse 27, he says to Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. He's saying, give me wisdom. Give me your precepts. Let me understand that so that I can see how you're working and how you're weaving all this together. I promise you, like, when you sit and you see his precepts and his ways and his things and how you can meditate on his glorious works, here's the deal. I was so angry. Like, if you know me, like, I can tend to go from here to here real quick and, like, and just can... Yeah. Yeah, I get angry. And I wanted to, to, to snap on, on several people the past few weeks and just tell them, because I like justice. Okay, I'm a big fan of justice. I like things done, and I like people corrected who've done things wrong. And so that's how I roll. And there was times I wanted to start dropping that hammer and say, like, exactly what I was thinking. And there's some dudes in, in my MC. They're like, yeah, well, what's that going to do? Why, if you say that to that person, how's that going to help? And, and here's how you can meditate then on God's glorious work. If I would have not stuck to his precepts, which people, godly people are speaking into my life, I wouldn't be able to marvel at his work because if I would have snapped on one of them being Jocelyn, my daughter, then when her sister passed away, I don't know that she's going to be calling us to say, hey, we, I need you now. And now I can sit back and I look at God's glorious work and say, oh, you're at work. I'm not. You are. I'm just going to, let me just be a passenger and watch you because you can't do it yourself. You have to just sit and look. And, and so he gives you wisdom, whether he's speaking to you or using others to speak to you, he gives you wisdom. Then you can sit in awe of how he uses all that. And then verse 28, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Again, the word made flesh. Jesus has all power and dominion here on earth and in heaven. So if you need strengthened, there's no better source to get strength from than him. He's it. And that's what David's saying. Give me that strength. I need to be able to, to go and to live life now and to do the things that you've called me to do. And then verse 29, put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. The law pointed to Jesus. All the Old Testament law was pointing to Jesus and our need for a Savior because he is the only one who could perfectly fulfill all of those laws and then die in our place as the perfect sacrifice. And so when he's saying, give me Jesus, show me why I need to be saved. 
Teach me your law so I see why I need to be saved. In verse 30, he just keeps going. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. Set your rules before me. He wants God to set these rules on him. And so you're thinking, well, what does this got to do with suffering? Because if you don't have God's rules and God's ways and God's precepts all right there with you while you're suffering, there's a whole lot of other paths you can choose to deal with your suffering. There's a lot of other things you can do. There's relationships. There's there's substances that you can go to there's there's shopping sprees whatever like you can there's a lot of different things that people do to try to just numb it and get past it and say this doesn't exist i don't need i'm going to ignore it because i'm going to go do this or i'm going to go to this person or i'm going to turn to this and we try to numb all the pain and he's saying i've chosen your way set your rules before me because he knew that was the best place to be was in his way with his rules Verse 31, he clings to the testimonies of the Lord. Think about that. He goes, let me not be put to shame. When you cling to who God is and what he's done, you don't have to be ashamed of your suffering. It's to his glory. He's saying, give me more Jesus. Just give me more Jesus and your great testimonies of who you are. And in verse 32, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my hearts and my heart. He's, he's like, I'm going to run this way. This is the path I'm going to go. He's asking God everything to give him emotional and, and, and mental and spiritual just ability to live out life through all this hard. And so I hope that you see Jesus in this. If you don't, I'm going to just honestly just tell you, you're hopeless right now. If you can't see Jesus in your life, like there is not another way out of your suffering. There's just not. You're going to search your things and it's going to fulfill you for a little bit. Trust me, it will. Like, you're going to be like, man, I'm really angry. I'm going to flip out at someone. You're going to feel good for about an hour. For about, I told them, oh, that's, I shouldn't have said that. Dang it. I've done it way too many times. I know how it works. Okay? Like, it doesn't work. And, or whatever that is that you turn to in your anger or in your sadness and your suffering. And so we got to see Jesus. Otherwise, we're hopeless because he gives us direction. He gives us strength. And he gives us a clear understanding so that we can go after him and survive this life until he calls us home or he returns. And it's all to his glory. All while we suffering, while we're suffering. I don't want to act in my own ways. I don't want to act in my own understanding because I don't understand everything that's going on, but I'm starting to see God's beautiful, creative mind at work as he's weaving all these stories together of what's going on. And so I realize I need him. You need him as we run this race of life to his glory. And so what we do then is the last point. We grab a hold of the beautiful truths of Jesus and choose to let that guide you. There are some really rich truths in this text. That's the whole Bible, though. It's just truth after truth after truth about who Jesus is and how glorious he is, how beautiful he is. And what we have to do is we have to choose that we're going to see that in him and just stop seeing him as useful and see him as beautiful. If you just see him as useful as your ticket out of hell, you're missing the whole point. And I don't even know if he's your ticket out of hell then because I don't think you're getting who he really is. You're, you're clinging to a Jesus you made up in your own mind. You cling to who he really is, to everything that he is. He's beautiful. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard. It's so hard. You'll see the beautiful truths of Jesus, and you're going to be like, that's where I want to go. And then you're going to be like, oh, but this is easier over here. Because when you cling to those beautiful truths of Jesus, and you let that be the navigation of your life, you're going to be disliked. You're going to make people mad. People are not going to like you. 
You're a stumbling block to what they want to do then. Even if you don't say anything to them, if you don't mention Jesus, but you're living your life differently and you're not choosing to go down the path that they want to go down, they look at you as like you're incriminating them because you're living your life different. And so it's hard and you start to veer the other way and you say, oh, I don't know. I'm going to go down this path. And you think, well, I don't know that I would do that. Well, Jesus tells us that we do actually in Matthew 7. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. See, we want so often to say, I'm suffering. What's the easiest path to get out of the suffering? Let me rush and get this over with. I don't want to deal with it. So how can I get through this the fastest? And sometimes getting through it the fastest isn't really the best way because you're going to suffer for it even more in the end because you're creating a whole host of messes behind you as you try to rush through it. You're like, well, if I can do this, I'll get through the suffering. Well, then you've created new dependencies or new problems that you've got to now suffer for later on in life. We have to cling to who Jesus is and say, man, he's beautiful and he's going to guide me. He's going to direct me. He's going to do all that I need. And I just, I want you to hear that today because like, that's what David is choosing. He said, I will run in the way of your commandments. He's choosing that narrow path, that narrow path. And you're going to veer off of it at times. I'm going to veer off of it at times. We all are. Like, we're not, we're not perfect, right? We're going to sometimes, like, step over in that, that wide path and be like, I'm going to take this easy route. And then, but what, hopefully you look, you look back to the cross and you're like, nope, this narrow path. It's hard, but I'm going to stay on it because he's good. And I want to be in his presence while he enlarges my heart, while he changes me. And I'll tell you what, man, as much as like, I feel like we've suffered in just the past three weeks or two years, like God is at work. And I can see like even just in the past couple of days where he's enlarged my heart, where he's just shared his truths with me because I've slowed down and tried to be on his path. I'm not perfect at it by no means, but I'm trusting him. And so today, I hope that you cling to that. As your soul clings to the dust, as your soul melts away for sorrow, I hope that you cling to Jesus and who he is if you're here and you're a believer. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, you've just kind of like casually associated yourself with Christianity, maybe you flat out rejected Christianity, I'm encouraging you today to like change that. Say, I'm gonna cling to Jesus. I'm gonna put all my faith, all my trust in him because he died for me in my place so that this suffering that I'm facing isn't wasted for nothing. It's to his glory. So I'm gonna pray. We're gonna take communion we're going to respond to how beautiful Jesus is. Let me, let me pray for us. God, thank you for helping me see how you're at work in all of my life. God, I pray the same for each and every person that's here, that's watching online, that, Lord, that you just you speak to them and you show them through individuals, through your word, through just your beauty of creation, that, God, you're at work. And that we don't have to suffer and just it for be for nothing. It can be to sanctify us, it can be to your glory, and it can change us. God, I pray for those who are here that are not Christians, who, who have never truly, genuinely put their faith in you. Lord, I pray that you convict them, that you move in their lives, and that you just change them radically. You take their heart of stone, change it to a heart of flesh, and then enlarge it like your text says. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So guys, we're going to take communion. You can stand with me. For those of you who are believers, I invite you to take communion.
to, to rejoice in what Jesus has done on the cross in your place for the payment of your sins. And if, and if you're here today and you're not a Christian, there's nothing special you have to do. You just need to just say, God, I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. I don't trust in myself anymore or anything else. All my trust is in you. And he'll save you. He's faithful. It says, call upon the Lord and he'll save. So let's just, if you're there today, then do that. I'd love to talk to you more about it. This is what the word says concerning communion. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim his death and worship him.